just try and see if you can make it happen and act quickly and decisively. Hey, kids. Welcome back to the Wild Business Growth Podcast. This is your place to hear from a new entrepreneur every single Wednesday morning who's turning wild ideas into wild growth. I'm your host, Max Brandstetter, founder and podcast producer at Max Podcasting. And you can email me at max at maxpodcasting.com to save time with your high-quality podcast. This is episode 204, and today's guest is Carlton Calvin, who has a name you can dance to and a story you can scoot to. Carlton is the president and co-founder of Razor. Yes, Razor as in Razor Scooter, one of the most iconic toys of the 2000s. Carlton is the man responsible for bringing Razor to the U.S. back in the year 2000. And in this interview, we talk, in addition to the Razor, Sco- the Razor Scooter story, which of course we talk about that, uh, we talk all sorts of other nostalgic products that Carlton had a pretty big hand in, including the Ripstick, the Hoverboard, uh, electric scooters, Pogs and Slammers, uh, Fingerboards, the, the list goes on and on and on. This is Short and Sweet with Carlton Calvin. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, we are here with Carlton Calvin, the uh, Mr. Razor, we'll call you, co-founder and president of Razor. And I, I think as somebody who grew up in the, the 90s and 2000s, and anybody who's kind of been around that era, uh, Razor Scooters were one of the most impactful things of childhood and still so many amazing memories and so much nostalgia and, and, and awesome to see what you're up to today. So anyway, I'll cut myself short. Carlton, thank you so much for joining. How are you doing today? My pleasure. I'm doing great. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you. Well, uh, I'm actually riding a scooter as we do. No, I'm just kidding. That would be pretty cool. Though. <laughs> but uh, we're going to get into the Razor story, uh, all sorts of things in your entrepreneurial journey. Uh, so on that note, I'd love to start off with your interest in toys in the first place. I know that before Razor, you kind of got into this, the whole Pogs and Slammers <laughs> business. Yes. Which uh, is a, a, another great, fantastic, uh, nostalgic memory, but that, that's a world of its own. How, what is it about toys and these these kind of trending toys that excited you in the first place? Well, um, first of all, you're from seeing you, I can tell that you're the perfect age and you've yeah, evolved through all the businesses that I was involved in, even before I started Razor. But I didn't actually have a particular interest in toys, although I do think I always used to say I understood the mind of a 10-year-old boy pretty darn well. I sort of was stuck in that phase when I started, you know, getting into business on my own. My background is, you know, I was working for a big law firm. You know, I took a leave of absence from that law firm and then started tinkering around just uh, exploring the idea of going into business for myself. And just through weird happenstance, I started getting into toys with the Pogs and the Slammers. And then when I did that, then I just followed up because I was already in that industry. And that's how it just kept going after that. So law, Pogs and Slammers, I think a, a combination uh, yes. that's, that's the typical route from law school. Typical. But... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is it about 
pogs and slammers specifically that caught your attention? Oh, it was a hot craze in LA at the time when I was casting around and I was actually working on a different project of doing some children's book publishing. And I was working with a, a artist and they said, Oh, we're doing work for pogs. We're doing illustrations for pogs. And I was driving through Arizona. So you would understand, I don't know how much of your audience will know, but pogs is like a gambling game for children with little discs they're paper discs that were originally at the top of milk caps to keep milk fresh. Part of the game is to have a slammer where you throw it at the pogs and you try to flip it over. The slammer is, you know, the more interesting piece. And I was driving through Arizona and I was seeing uh, paperweights with real scorpions embedded in them. And I thought to myself, oh, wow, a 10 year old boy would like a real scorpion embedded in his slammer. <laughs> and so I, that's how I got started. I decided I was going to put real scorpions inside slammers. As a former 10 year old boy, I can agree that and the, thought, <laughs> the, Scott, the thought of scorpions, I think, spoke to my younger self. And <laughs> that's awesome. Also makes me think of um, Jurassic Park, the like uh, mosquito in the amber. That's exactly what it looks. Yeah. And that's that's actually I called up the uh, Natural History Museum in Los Angeles and asked them how they preserve you know, specimens in clear plastic. And that's how I get started in, with the technology. <laughs> I love the research. It's, it's awesome. So speaking of being quick and creating hot crazes and toys and trends and <laughs> everything in that ballpark, let's talk Razor. When and how did you first hear about this idea that kids were <laughs> somewhere in the world were starting to play with scooters and having a great time again as background the thing that i was my, my hot trend that i was working on at that time were uh fingerboards which you probably remember too the yeah yeah uh, plenty of those which became a funny competition because some kids at school were pretty good and can do like you know pop shove and different tricks with them and then uh, i think vast majority of kids like myself where we're extreme i mean i couldn't even skateboard on a regular skateboard so finger skateboards were uh, even harder i think <laughs> yeah so again you're the perfect person to be interviewing me about this you're the perfect age <laughs> thank you thank you um i was doing fingerboards and we actually you know working with the guy who invented the fingerboards later tech Act was another company that copied what we were doing and they were a much bigger and more savvy company so they became the famous brand, but Fingerboards was our brand and the original name for what this was called. Um, but in any event, enough about Fingerboards. I was doing those and um, I was like doing all kinds of like extreme sports for your fingers, like bikes and surfboards. In addition to the skateboards, I read in the LA Times that there was a new extreme sports craze in Japan called, you know, then people were riding on, you know, high tech advanced scooters and the brand was Razor. And I called the uh, factory that made them that, you know, and, and uh, within a couple of weeks, we were partners globally to, um, you know, manufacture and sell the Razor scooter. And that, that's how that started. Oh my God. So how in the world did you strike a deal <laughs> within a couple of weeks there? It just, again, I, this is what I rec I would say to you know, entrepreneurs is, I mean, and I've always felt did this once I started is don't be afraid to just try and see if you can make it happen and act quickly and decisively. I mean, this, this is one of the biggest splashes of all time in the toy world and in fun and scooter world, obviously. But uh, at the start, what are some key steps when you look back on it? 
that helped this baby take off so much? The the ant the real answer is capacity. My partner had a tremendous capacity to manufacture, but real crazes people like to take credit for causing them, which I never do. It was just word of mouth. I mean, and word of mouth turns in. You know, we had a public relations agency, but that was just to field all the people that wanted to work with us. It was in People magazine. It was you know there was an illustration on the cover of the New Yorker with a adult riding a razor scooter there was you know we partnered with burger king i mean it was just endless you know word of mouth and news stories were everywhere and and so yeah you didn't need to do anything and and i've been involved in same with pogs and slammers i've been in in, and fingerboards these things when it gets inside the mind of a 10 year old boy and they start talking to each other on the playground there is nothing that will cause demand to rise like that What what is it about that original model that you think people just totally gravitated to? I mean, it's sometimes very hard to explain, but obviously, you know, they were much better scooters. They were skateboard wheels, polyurethane wheels that just let you go really far and fast and glide easily. And they were aircraft quality aluminum. They were compact. It really was a big improvement on the clunky air scooters that were before them. And actually, and it, it started really did start with adults using them. Um, and like, even they were popular in high tech, you know, warehouses in Silicon Valley, it was like part of the dot com craze, but it's a genuinely great, you know, scooter. And it's sort of like, you know, in 1997, or whatever, they made, there was a slight improvement on the yo-yo. Um, they made a like a yo-yo that would spin at the bottom on its own and then return. And it caused the biggest yo-yo craze, you know, with no advertising, nothing. But, you know, again, just playground word of mouth, like sold 50 million yo-yos or something. It was ridiculous. So, yeah, the, the uh, technological improvement on a great item like a scooter can make make a craze. First of all, every every new thing you mention like triggers a different memory in my mind. Like now I'm thinking of like uh, these cool yogas we used to, uh, yo yogas these cool yoyos we used to have that would like, spin like you said or that would light up. And uh, there were some really really good ones. So you, this is this whole interview is just like walked down memory lane for me. So thank you. On the razor front, you mentioned that your your partner had the capacity, which is obviously hugely important. How early on in that process of you know starting to distribute in the U.S. Did you realize that, oh, my God, this is great. You know, like we need to make like millions of these things every day to meet demand. No, no, immediately. It was immediately. It's explosive demand is all I can tell you. Explosive. I mean, and we were selling a million units a month. And that's just as many as we could make. We were literally selling as many as we could make. How did that impact how you manage the business? It was ridiculous. I mean, I had to like, I hired a bunch of people overnight. I was working seven days a week, you know, 12 hours a day just to, Try to keep up and with the with the demand. Oh, it's bizarre. Do you, do you get any sleep these days, or you still have that uh, schedule? Oh, I got so I get so much sleep. My now my sleep my sleep problem is that um, I'm old and it's harder to sleep through the night. <laughs> so hey, hey, you, it's just the opposite. No, it's it's de- <laughs> it's definitely hard to sleep through the night, but you're definitely not old. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so that's the the model A or the or the model T of the scooter world, uh, and, yep. and we'll get to model C and D in a sec. Now we won't we we won't go down all the way down the line, but I I, I am really curious about because you know if you check out your website now, I I think anybody who who just knows Razor for 
you know, that scooter in the early 2000s would be absolutely blown away by how many different products you offer now and how many things you're involved in and, and, how, and how you have a company and team have evolved over the years. How would you characterize the approach you take to adding new products to the mix? Well, again, believe it or not, I still, the real huge growth from the company has been, you know, from this trend spotting. I mean, obviously we do, we make variations on the trends once they come out, but most of the time I'm working the really huge items that we make and that really driven growth in the business um, have been um, from inventors. And I've seen them actually spotted them out on the street, you know, being used and then worked with the inventor. You know, sometimes I actually can work with the inventor before it's, you know, actually on the market at all. But usually I'm, you know, working with some small inventor who has a teeny little bit of distribution. I see a couple of them. In, like, so that would be like the Ripstick is a really, was a really important product for us that a lot of people know. Yeah. I was um, there was say a that, huge craze. That brings up whole new memories again as well. <laughs> there you go. And then, uh, you know, I noticed like adults um, riding around electric, I mean, uh, gas mini motorcycles in LA. And that led us to make a little electric motorcycle, which became a huge, a huge trend. And it became part of our, you know, it became part of not now is like the main part of our business is electric motorcycles and electric scooters. Again, electric scooters probably wasn't a craze, but they were definitely out there. And I saw that, you know, obviously as a scooter maker, we could, we could really capitalize on that market. So we entered that market and, you know, but again, we were much uh, less expensive because we had huge manufacturing capacity. And so we, do we, we dominated and grew the electric scooter market for the last, you know, 15 years. And it's, that's become a huge market for us. And then event that eventually evolved into like the adult electric scooters, probably in the last four or five years with Bird and Lime. But that we were doing a million electric scooters a year before the adult scooter craze that's that's come on now and now of course we're doing adult scooters but yeah we i generally am looking for trends in the culture and then i um hop on them and then i expand on them so and then another one of our big recent products is the hoverboard and that was created by an inventor i'd worked with maybe five or seven years before that on another item that did really well for us but it exploded into the market. And so, you know, we're the creators of the hoverboard too. Now, a lot of people have, you know, copied us and we're frantically enforcing our patent, but that's another example of an item that just exploded on its own. And then, you know, we're, you know, there to service the market and provide huge quantities for people. And by the hoverboard, you mean like the two wheeled, like no handle. That's right. Standing straight up. That's right. We call our brand is the hover tracks, but that the our, our, the inventor, you know, created that brand. Perfect. Well, that, that's what it is. I, I know yeah. uh, you and team are super innovative. I'm sure it's only a couple of years now before we get like true hoverboards, like uh, not even yeah. not even touching the ground. <laughs> that's right. Well, you keep that in mind <laughs> when we get that. That's the yeah, end of I, I think just uh, <laughs> you just cover the Go world ahead. in magnets and put uh, magnets on the, the bottom of it. I think that's that's how it works, right? Yeah. Someday. <laughs> someday <laughs> innovation perfect uh but this uh you know the evolution you know the assortment of your products over time and how things change is is really really fascinating electric as a i guess a subcategory is a huge area of business and also a huge thing that people are using these products in so many different ways how has the process for for you and team been 
you know, to educate yourselves on electric vehicles slash toys and, and actually roll those out? Well, there was a learning, you know, again, this is for us, it's a very old, you know, again, very soon after the original Razor scooter, within a year or two, we were doing electrics. Um, so it's been a long, you know, learning curve. The hardest thing for us is learning um, how to make reliable products. You know, the scooter is such a simple product that there's nothing breaks and it doesn't need any repairs. And when we started to do electrics, there was a lot of learning so that we would make things that were reliable and also that we could have a big customer service department that could handle sending out, you know, replacement parts and when things wear out. All that kind of stuff was a big learning curve. I mean, it's got to be pretty surreal to look back at all this growth and all these different products over the years. What's in addition to your your tips on trend spotting, which has obviously been instrumental to everything you've done and all, all the hot crazes you've been in. Uh, what, what would you say is your number one tip for for growing a business and continue and continuing to innovate over the years? Part of growing a business, I would say, is I, I was always very focused on the finances and making sure you know that I was not overspending, you know, so that I would always be around to take advantage of the next you know, hit. So I'm, you know, I was, I'm very old school. I'm adding people, adding facilities, adding stuff only after the demand is there. Not, I don't put a huge amount of money into the business without the demand being there to justify it. But, and then when you're doing that, you're there to take advantage of opportunities they presented. And if you spent all your money, then you're gone and you don't have a chance. And then the other thing is, is act decisively. So that's, it's a little separate from like spotting trends. You have to, even if you're not spotting trends, you have to be able to make decisions quickly and not like be a perfectionist. It is my way of look that I had to sort of learn because I'm a perfectionist by nature, but I could see that in the real world, there's a lot of value to acting, you know, perfect is enemy of the good. You know, you have to make decisions quickly and act quickly in the real world. The real world. They should make a show about that. If you're craving some more real world behind the scenes stories from the Wild Business Growth Podcast, would like some real world podcasting tips as well from the the mind behind Max Podcasting. I, I won't reveal who it is. I have the place for you. Go to maxpodcasting.com, scroll down, and sign up for the Podcasting to the Max newsletter. That's at maxpodcasting.com. Podcasting to the Max. Now, let's quote-unquote quickly wrap this thing up. Well, you could not have queued that up any better because we are going to wrap up quickly with some rapid-fire Q&A. You ready for it? Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's get wild. Uh, other than the ones you mentioned, what, what would you say is maybe the most bizarre or out-of-the-box product that Razor as a company has sold in the past couple decades? Oh, my goodness. Um, the, hmm. I try to keep things, you know, oh, you know, realistic. We made uh, motor shoes so that you could, you know, or heel wheels so that you can strap them to your shoes and like motor around without oh, yeah. any, anything else. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but I remember, what are they called? Heelys? There used to be a pair, a line of shoes that had wheels in them. Exactly. So, and I put motors in those. That, so Heelys <laughs> was the, the, the thing I was going to do. Heelys with, with motors. And that was kind of wild. I've made scooters that, you know, with sparks that flame shoot out the back. All kinds of, you know, 
a 10-year-old boy up here like this. And, and uh, we made, that uh, was really sort of off of what we normally do. We made uh, sound chairs that you would hook up to your computer game and they were vibrate and, you know, envelop you in sound while you're playing your video games. So we've done all, we've done all kinds of inventive things. I've, as I've gotten uh, more seasoned, I sort of recognize that there's a lot of um, value in just, you know, not getting too far out far outside your lane. Um, so you can focus on your own market and not try to too much to go into like home furniture, for example. We did great. It was a huge craze, but then it was hard for us to stay focused as it evolved. Right. Yeah. With home furniture, I mean, it's just too comfortable of a space to be in. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm cracking up because you keep, you keep talking about uh, kind of alluding this concept of uh, thinking like a 10-year-old boy or being a 10-year-old boy. And we previously had on the podcast, Nancy Cartwright, the voice of Bart Simpson, uh, which there you is go. super cool. And she, <laughs> she literally, um, she's got books and audio books that are around the idea of my life as a 10-year-old boy. So so you, you two need to connect. It's a bi- it's a very important stage in life, I will <laughs> tell you that, <laughs> at least for me too. <laughs> it is. And, and like a 10-year-old, I have the slowest rapid fire of all time. So we'll get to the next question. So <laughs> okay, what's the most impressive thing or trick that you've ever seen anybody do in a razor scooter? Oh, they are so good. You know, I've seen people go down these giant ramps and then do multiple flips, you know, off those, you know, like I'm saying 50, 60, 70 feet high. It's it's incredible what people can do, you know, just like skateboards. Yeah. The the amount of time it takes to do that and, and how acrobatic you need to be is unbelievable. And then I saw in your background that as a teenager, you spent some time as a Domino's pizza delivery boy. <laughs> so yes, I did. What's a, what's something surprising about being a pizza delivery driver that, that only people who have been delivery drivers know? You have to be very good at mapping out where you're going because it could be a bunch of pizzas and it's all a race against time. Back when I was doing it, I think they changed it because of the danger, but it was all, you got paid more for being very speedy it's a pretty fun race car type of job back in the day when I did it. And, and then last one, you also, uh, and this, this is like the coolest fun fact of a younger in life job I've ever heard, but you spent some time managing a, a stand at the Minnesota state fair, uh, for selling Rubik's cubes. So what is the, what's the shortest amount of time you've ever completed a Rubik's cube? I hate to correct you on your facts, but I sold solution books to the, Rubik's cube. <laughs> hey, you're you're just one step ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, but I and I never, uh, I've never solved a Rubik's cube. So <laughs> I've never read the book. I think it's, I think this is a theme. I don't really have particular interest in toys, but I just did it. And and Rubik's cubes at that time were obviously a huge trend. So I was that's how I that was my first hopping on a trend. I was able to sell the books. I had to like put a sticker over the retail price of the book because they were in such high demand that I was able to charge more than the sticker, the, the retail price for the book. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like Rubik's cubes, uh, Rubik's cube book price gouger in my youth, <laughs> <laughs> but I was only a teenager. I never gouge in anymore. Our prices are, are fixed. <laughs> you, you know, if you just read one of your own books, you probably would have known how to solve one. I think. 
Absolutely. That's <laughs> a, I, I, I was just not, I was in it for the business side of it. Hey, well, hindsight's twenty twenty. But uh, Carl, Carlton, thank you so much. This has been awesome and uh, a, a true dream interview. Walk down memory lane. So I really appreciate. Oh, you're the perfect. You're the perfect guy for this interview. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely the the right age, and and you were obviously interested in the world and using all involved in all my trends. So that's fantastic. Perfect. You're the uh, the creator of um, lots and lots of lots and lots of like endless childhood memories for, for so many people around my age. And you know how trends work probably, uh, you know, if stuff ever dies down in popularity, like 65 years from now, uh, some of the stuff might be bigger than ever. So it's coming back. Yeah. I just did. You, you just have to tell your children about it so they can bring it back. That's how it'll work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Carlton, thank you so much. Uh, I, I know if you're interested in, uh, buying anything from razor or, or learning more, you can go to razor.com. R A Z O R, and I don't know why I spelled it. Obviously, Razor spelled that way. Uh, <laughs> but uh, any, uh, do you have? Um, is there anywhere that people can reach out to you, or you prefer to keep it to just a company? I think they can reach me through the company. I think that's the best way. I'm not a, I'm not an Instagrammer or anything like that. I'm a, I'm a very old school. <laughs> so, but it was. This has been a wonderful podcast. You were a really good interviewer. Thank you, thank you. Right, right back at you. You're a decent guest. No, but uh, okay. <laughs> no, thanks again. Last thing, final thoughts. Stage is yours. It could be a quote, a line, uh, whatever you think the next hot trend is going to be. Whatever you want, send us home here. The next hot trend, you're never going to know it till you see it, and you can never, you can never think about it. It just appears before your eyes, and you have to be have that uh, spidey sense to identify it as a trend. I spidey sense Carlton working on a new trend as we speak. Thank you so much, Carlton, for coming on the podcast, for for bringing Razor scooters to the U.S. and and, and enhancing so many people, children's childhoods uh, and beyond through so many amazing products and toys. And thank you, wild listeners, for tuning in to another episode. If you want to hear more wild stories like this one, make sure to follow the Wild Business Growth Podcast on your favorite app, and tell a friend about the podcast. And then go go find a Razor scooter, whether it's electric or manual, you know, old school. And, uh, you know, go scoot around. You can also find us on Good Pods, where there are some fantastic podcasts and podcast people and recommendations. And for any help with podcast production, you can learn more at maxpodcasting.com. And sign up for the Podcasting to the Max newsletter on that homepage. Until next time, let your business... Run wild. Bring on the bongos! <laughs>